Hey y'all, welcome back to But Not All at Once, the podcast for people young enough to know and enjoy TikTok, but too old to post videos of themselves on it. I reserve judgment for those of you who are posting dancing videos because honestly, you're probably just far more gifted at physical movement than I am. You go ahead and do your thing, and in this time of uncertainty, a little bit of enjoyment with some synchronized lip syncing and hip movements is the least of my concerns. Whatever your age or interest in the latest social media app, welcome. I'm Ann Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Today, just as I promised, I'm back for the second episode of the week, something that I hope will continue throughout however long this already feeling kind of long quarantine lasts. We need a little bit of fresh content, right? Something to talk about that isn't throngs of people on beaches, germs on absolutely every possible surface, and celebrities who have now gotten a positive COVID-19 diagnosis. So today, I thought I would tackle perhaps my most requested solo episode topic, No Way 19. If you're new here, I started the But Not All at Once Instagram account in the fall of 2018. A few months later, in the end of January, I guess, 2019, I decided that I was not going to get on a scale again. At that point, I think it had already been a few weeks since I had weighed myself at the gym, but I just decided that I was going to stop. And the moment I made that decision, I felt such, no pun intended, a weight and a tightness in my chest and an uneasiness in my gut that it gave me a lot of pause and honestly, a lot of concern. I was really feeling like a woman who was told maybe she couldn't drink wine anymore and spiraled into panic. That says right away, we should take a break from this behavior, right? Suddenly, I had 10,000 questions about how my life was going to look without stepping on a scale. And just the fact that that worry existed told me this was an experiment I really needed to move ahead with. Before we get into this, I want to acknowledge that this topic probably isn't for everyone. If hearing about me not getting on a scale for 14 months makes you want to roll your eyes until you're looking straight at your spinal cord, this probably isn't the episode for you. And I understand that everyone's got their own issues, right? I didn't quite realize how deeply entrenched the weight issue was for me until I've taken this much time off of it. So I'm going to be a little bit more vulnerable than I usually am in our one-off chit-chat and with a bubbly beverage in a walk-in closet kind of episodes. This is something that I hope you'll listen to with an air of grace and also understanding that every time I release an episode that makes me grit my teeth and feel a bit of a vulnerability hangover the next day, as Brene Brown would say, I get message after message after text after email telling me the most heartfelt, personal, (laughs) appreciative stories of what it means for someone in the privacy and comfort of their own home to feel like a snippet of their story or a part of themselves is more understood. If that's not you, it really is okay. And truthfully, I wish that we were in a place as women in the world where none of us gave a moment's thought about what would happen if we stepped on a scale, but that's not where we are. So that disclaimer aside, let's talk about it. I think it will be a surprise to no one who's ever known me at any point in my life that body and weight issues have been something that's followed me for the better part of 25 years now, I guess. A long time. A long time. 
I know that as we've gotten older, the cultural conversation has shifted where it's no longer okay. And really, it's never been okay. But it's publicly no longer okay to comment on someone's body in a way that when I was growing up, it was pretty normal for people to speak about others' bodies, either behind their backs or to their faces. And the only thing that can make puberty and growth spurts and middle school and high school more awkward is someone else acknowledging that they see what you've obsessed about in a mirror for 100 years. So I was a pretty scrawny kid for most of my life. And in eighth grade was one of the shorter girls in my class, probably five two. I think the summer between eighth and ninth grade, I grew about six inches. It was not a physically comfortable process. Uh, the shorts that were really cool, stonewashed jorts that hit me right at the kneecap at the beginning of the summer were not at a place by the end of the year that I could wear them to ninth grade. It is a tricky time. I remember feeling both like a gazelle whose legs didn't quite work and also a bit like an orangutan, like my, my arms would, were coming down to my kneecaps. I couldn't figure out why nothing on me felt proportional. It was just not a delightful time. But I also remember that there were plenty of boys who talked about my body and other people's bodies and made jokes when newsflash, sir, you're not exactly Brad Pitt, circa Legends of the Fall. You know what I mean? So maybe keep your thoughts to yourself. But that's neither here nor there because these men are all like psychiatrists and bioethicists and really doing big things with their lives now. And I'm sure that they would die of embarrassment to remember what they were like in middle school, wouldn't we all? But that is the first time I remember thinking, huh, I have a body and other people see it and it's kind of up for acknowledgement, commentary. When I grew, I gained about 25 pounds, which I as a mother would say is a totally normal and acceptable weight gain for someone who's grown six inches. I remember going to the doctor and getting on the scale. I'm 5'9 now. I was um, approaching 5'9 then, 15 years old. And a nurse said that basically the only people who weighed more than me or were further up on the growth chart was someone who was six feet tall or very obese. Now, I was not obese, but I did have a huge, huge wound from that. My mom is poly pocket sized. And for me, that's what a woman looks like. And I heard a lot of comments about how tiny and adorable my mom was. My dad's six foot four, super handsome, lovely human, but no one at 15 wants to hear that they look or are built, which why are we talking about how people are built, but are built just like their dad. It's not a great spot. All that to say, I've known exactly how much I weighed since I was 14. For me, it's been a pretty clear indicator of how I should feel about myself. Up, feel bad down, feel pretty great, depending on how much down. You know, five pounds is better than three pounds. When I first stepped away from the scale, I guess 14 months ago, I decided that I would use measuring tape instead. I'm an Enneagram one. I like prescribed, regimented, tracked, measured. I like to know that I've consumed 64 ounces of water so I can give myself a pat on the back. But the measuring tape, as I learned probably four or five months later, is just another means of measuring a different smaller set of numbers. And so I slowly tiptoed 
away from measuring, not just because I launched a podcast that started to take away some of my really regular hour-long weight room sessions, but also because I realized I was starting to define my worth by a tape instead of a machine that spit out three digital digits. It wasn't any different. So since last summer, I haven't really been measuring. At this point, there's a voice. Again, you cannot say anything to me that I haven't already heard in my own head 15 times today. So there's a part of me that thinks someone's going to see me and think I look much heavier than I used to and judge me about this no way 19 and think that everything will fall apart if they stop weighing themselves. Here's the thing. There are a few ways this could go. It could fall apart. You could gain like 500 pounds. I had to get to a point where I could say, so what? Is that the real scary thing here? Is the real scary thing how much weight I could gain? Or is it just distancing myself from my own judgment, other people's judgments, what the world has led me to believe I should look like? It's caused me to look inward and as new age and hippy-dippy as it sounds to find meaning in the movement and in taking good care of myself and in how I feel as opposed to a waist measurement or scale. I was a little nervous and a big question that came up again and again was how this would work in a medical setting. To be fair, I did not do this while I was pregnant. I've been pregnant five times. I've been pregnant a lot of times, guys. And every single time I joke about it, but I made this joke to the wrong person a week ago and she looked at me with tears in her eyes and told me she thought it was really sad. I used to take off my earrings, watch shoes, particularly if it was winter and they were boots. I would risk foot fungus on a public scale at the OB just to shave off, I don't know, four ounces. I always wanted to pee first. And I really, really tracked this. If I felt good about myself in that I wasn't obsessively counting my macros, which I know is not good for me, recording everything I ate, if I was trying to be as intuitive as I could about my food consumption, the other end of things, hopping on a scale, it wasn't showing up that same way. I remember a friend of mine when I was pregnant the first time, we were both in an office, uh, both about the same due date, and we referred to our appointments in our first pregnancy again, where everything should be so joyful and new. We would say, oh, I have to go weigh in on Tuesday. Oh, I need to go weigh in in two weeks. As though it was a Weight Watchers meeting and not something where you get to hear the heartbeat and track the measurement of your unborn child. It's not great. So... Now I'm trying to take that derision and that self-deprecating laughter and turn it towards some compassion. Like, wow, what deep-seated messages and hurts and expectations must have put you in that spot that even when you had no control over your body because it was growing another stinking human being, you felt that your big earrings were just going to push you over the top. I remember crying the morning I ended up being induced with Mac. I was diagnosed that morning with preeclampsia, and I had gained five pounds in four days or something. And I remember a nurse saying to me, honey, you couldn't have eaten enough hot dogs to make this happen. These numbers aren't real. And that's kind of what I want to say to you. If any of this holds any water, 
If you feel a little panicky at the thought of not being able to weigh yourself every morning or every Tuesday at 10 a.m. like you always do, maybe step away for one second and see what happens because the numbers aren't real. Unless you have a medical condition where your doctor wants you to track your weight gain or your weight loss because of your medications or your blood pressure or prediabetes, I'm certainly not giving you any medical advice because I am thoroughly unqualified. However, I do know that if that panic instinct is kicking in or even just a slight discomfort, it's worth it to dig in and ask yourself why. My doctors, both my OB and my primary care physician, have been great. They think, probably because they know I'm a little nutty about this, that it's a really healthy choice. I'm sure if I were to have a blood pressure spike or concerning lab work that I would have to get on a scale. But for me, I know enough that if I get on a scale, it's going to be on my printout at the end of the appointment. It's going to be in the MyChart app. I'm not going to not look, even if you turn me around backwards on the scale. And I'm not someone who, as I did um, for the better part of a decade in my life, restricts food or struggles to, you know, really fight that disordered eating demon in her head. I'm thankful that that's something that's behind me, but I definitely do have the urge to control things, particularly when I get anxious. And I have read a lot in the last week about how people who are homebound suddenly have a lot less in the outer world to fixate on. So what do they fixate on? Themselves. Perfection. I'm going to use this quarantine to work out 90 minutes a day. I'm going to hit all my macros. I'm going to drink this much water. I'm going to weigh myself three times a week. Guys, (laughs) this is like the most stressful thing a lot of people have been through. There's never been anything like it before. It's totally different than any other road bump curve issue we've ever had. This is big. It's worldwide. Everyone's experiencing it, but we're all experiencing it differently and in separate homes. It's scary. So just as we would offer our children macaroni if it's their favorite after a tough day, it's okay to eat ice cream because it tastes good. It's okay to take long walks instead of doing punishing CrossFit workouts. It's okay not to weigh yourself anymore. I kind of joke when I say this, but part of what has kept me off the scale the last little bit is knowing that I probably won't like what I see when I get on it. I don't know exactly how much I weigh. It doesn't really matter. But I do know that my body is changing. I haven't been to the gym as often as I was, you know, before I launched this podcast. And instead of using the same relatively critical words that I find myself pointing towards my own body, um, I've done a few proactive things. Number one, I don't have a full-length mirror in my room. It takes the opportunity to scrutinize oneself in private away. Other people are going to have to see me if I'm looking at myself. Two, I have really taken the opportunity to examine what's making me want to be critical. If I'm angry about how much I ate, is it really my lack of productivity? Am I tired? Am I stressed? Am I disappointed in myself about something else? I'm also trying to change my words. So instead of talking about weight gain, because I no longer have that metric, I sometimes say, maybe I'm fuller. Maybe I'm softer. Maybe things are more generously proportioned. But the people I care about 
Don't look at side-by-side images of my body from one summer to the next and decide whether or not they're going to text or call or visit me based on those images and my progress. I promise. And if they did, wouldn't that be a terrible friend? I'm trying to do all the things that I want my daughters to see as normal and healthy. A lot of my friends grew up with moms who either directly or indirectly criticize the way they look. My mom never did that. My parents have only ever said the kindest and most loving things at all points and weights of my life. And that meant a lot to me. But I also know that plenty of us grew up with moms who criticize themselves in front of us. And that's what we thought beautiful looked like, right? What womanhood looked like, what the goal was. Or she says she doesn't like her nose. That's what my nose do. She says she wishes that she could take everything out of her backside and put it in her top half and you're both the same way. Whatever it is, I I don't want my kids to hear any of the thoughts that could come out of my mouth like that. And so I get to the root of it by trying to, like playing whack-a-mole, get to the thoughts. It's not really about the number. They're not real. It's the thoughts that lead me to it. Almost two years ago, maybe 18 months ago, I started lifting weights for the first time in my life, and it made a really significant difference both in my mental health and in the way that I looked. I felt stronger. I felt more confident. It was incredible. My work life and my podcast life changed a little bit, but my ability to link what my body can do with how I feel about it is still there. And that's something that today on an hour-long walk pushing a 40-pound child and a 25-pound stroller on an 80 degree quarantine day where I was so grateful to be outside, I couldn't see straight. It's something I'm grateful to all the way down to my bones. I hope that if you hear me make self-deprecating remarks, you will give me a calm, loving, compassionate glance that says, girl, we are not doing this. And that you'll know it's going to take decades of work for all of us to undo decades of messaging. I started to weigh myself pretty regularly when I first got into lifting weights and really enjoyed watching the numbers go down. But more than anything, what I noticed was that body composition and weight are not always in sync. That plenty of people who, I mean, my goodness, look at a six foot tall professional volley, like beach volleyball player. She's not going to weigh what other celebrities say that they weigh. And I would really love it if all of that was just taken off the table with the exception of maybe a weight class for fighters. I don't know enough about sports to say what kind of fighting that might be, but you get the idea. It doesn't make a difference to me how much Simone Biles weighs or Venus and Serena. Eat what you want. Do what you want. Feel as good as you can. Y'all are certainly doing something I can't. And maybe people look at me and think that. Maybe they think, wow, look at this woman with four kids. Wow, look at this woman with a podcast. Maybe I should think of my life as an athletic endeavor of some variety. All I know is that my greatest hope in letting go of the weight fixation has been setting a great example, taking the thoughts out of my head and therefore the words out of my mouth so that my girls understand as my daughter squealed when she realized she still weighed more than her younger brother, that weight gain has to do with growth and eating well, getting stronger. And as we get older, our bodies are going to change. I remember each pregnancy, how much weight I lost and how quickly. 
But I can tell you that just because you hit that number again doesn't mean everything goes back to where it was. I have barrel ribs from a child who exited the building six weeks early. It doesn't add up, but there you have it. I remember being below my pre-baby weight, hashtag stress, and trying on an Empire Wasted dress that wouldn't zip for the life of me because my ribs were like, hey, we're bone or we're not going anywhere. Deal with it. So I have. I've gotten rid of stuff that doesn't fit. I've set aside them some things that don't make me feel good. And um, I plan to do the same for Instagram accounts that don't make me feel good. You know, if we're, I don't care if I ever see you in a bikini. I mean, unless we're like at the beach and you want to wear one, awesome. But you don't have to put a picture of yourself on Instagram or TikTok or any other app to show me that you're confident or you feel good in the way you look. But if you are a content creator who puts up pictures and it makes me pinch or zoom or cringe or feel weird or worry or compare or obsess, the words probably aren't that helpful. I'm going to follow someone who provides a more holistic picture and focuses on how I can balance out the strength between my quads and my hamstrings or how I can improve core strength after four children and 30 something years of life. The weight thing has kind of become secondary. And I love that now that we have a quarantine, there's room for us to examine how and where we move. We can't just go to all the gyms and do things the way we always did. We need to decide what movement makes us feel really good in the most effective amount of time with the least contact with other humans and do that thing. It's going to be really telling. I think realizing how many of us were punishing ourselves in a form of workout we didn't love and how many of us are itching to get back to the thing that made us feel really good. I, for one, really enjoy the odd quiet in my head. It's not a thing that I have very often. When I have loud, angry, edited Y2K hip hop in my earbuds and things go still and I'm not making 17 lists at once. That's what gets me back to the weight room. In addition to the fact that it's nice to feel like a five foot nine and not a pocket sized little princess, I'm strong. There's something about being able to walk past a mirror and not obsess. Just be like, look, I went to the gym. I did what I can. I'm drinking my water. I'm going to have some pasta. It's a balance. I'm doing what I can and it's not going to get any better without tipping over into crazy land. And we don't want to go there. So this may have been more information about me than you ever need to know. But so many of you asked, how have you done it? How can you keep doing it? Why would you not want to get on a scale again? And I do feel a little nervous that someday someone's going to be like, all right, girlfriend, hop up here. We're going to need these numbers. And it puts a bit in my stomach to imagine because I spent decades where that number was tied to everything. And when you're five foot nine, the number that you start your pregnancy at is where some smaller people in their pregnancy. And the other piece of that is, I don't ever want anyone who's smaller or larger or differently shaped than me to hear my words and think, wow, if she thinks that about herself, what does she think about me? Because we're just bodies, right? I talk about this in our body, body image pep talk, which obviously I need to re-listen to now that I'm stuck in my house and spending a lot of time examining my own thoughts in between making sandwiches and taking Zoom calls. But there's a whole lot going on in this topic. And the fact that so many of you are curious about it and hopeful that you could do something similar or worried that you couldn't says a lot. 
My advice about the doctor piece, which seems to be a pretty significant stumbling block for all of you, is knowing your doctor. And if this is not a person whose goals or values or beliefs align with yours, unless you have a pretty specific condition or set of medical needs that only they can address, I would find someone else. Much like you would find a different hairstylist because you're still a customer and they're doctors and we appreciate their insight, but it's okay to have a doctor who listens to you and takes your thoughts and life experiences into account. I have a number of really great Instagram accounts I've been able to follow who've allowed me to put words to thoughts that were just clanking around in my head. They've allowed me to soften the voice in my head to give myself a little bit more compassion and then also to understand and unpack all of the messages and stories I tell myself, things we don't even know we've heard or been exposed to that shape what we think about weight, size, images. I hope that you will take a look. I'll see if I can gather them and share them on Instagram. And if you have a great intuitive eating or health at every size or creative movement, enjoyable movement, happy Instagram lifestyle wellness fitness influencers. I'm here for that. And if you know anyone else who hadn't been on a scale in a while and wants to talk about it, then you're where to find me, but not all at once on Instagram. I hope that you are making it through what is at best an unsettled and uncertain time and that you know other people are here for you. And I appreciate your being such a safe spot for me to unload just the tip of the iceberg That is those three digits. We've all known how much we weighed since the beginning of time. And what happens when we don't anymore? On the other side of things, I can say I feel pretty freed. And I hope that I can get to that place about a lot of other things in my life. But in the meantime, if this is something you want to pursue or talk about more, email me, but not all at once at gmail.com. Text me yell at me across the road as I take another hilly walk with a child in this coronavirus homebound land we're all navigating. And I will see you or talk to you in a couple of days right here. Thanks so much, guys. Take care.